0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Blankets and Boundaries. I'm your guide, Duke Novak. And for this episode, we are going to be discussing the book, There Is Nothing Wrong With You, by Cherry Huber, and designed and illustrated by June Shiver. Sherry Huber has been a student and teacher of Zen for over 30 years. She founded the Zen Monastery Peace Center in Murphys, California, the Zen Center in Palo Alto, California, and Living Compassion, a nonprofit dedicated to peace and service. That's the title of the adult version, but there's another version I use when working with teenagers. And it is titled, There Is Nothing Wrong With You for Teens. Regardless of what you were taught to believe, there is nothing wrong with you for teens. Let's get started. The difficulty that exists in the relationship between teens and adults comes to one thing, communication. The constant theme I heard in conversation after conversation was, adults don't listen. Adults don't care who we are or what we think. Adults think lecturing is communicating. Adults don't understand us and don't want to. Adults don't care how we feel. Adults think we understand more than we understand. Adults think asking a question is talking back. You've been taught that there is something wrong with you and that you are imperfect. But there isn't. And you're not. And after those two powerful introductions, I continue on. Unless you were raised by wolves, the chances are extremely good that as you were growing up, you heard at least a few of the following. Don't do that. Stop that. Put that down. I told you not to do that. Why don't you ever listen? Wipe that look off your face. I'll give you something to cry about. Don't touch that. You shouldn't feel that way. You should have known better. Will you ever learn? You should be ashamed of yourself. Shame on you. I can't believe you did that. Don't ever let me see you do that again. See, that serves you right. I told you so. Are you ever going to get it? What were the last words out of my mouth? What were you thinking of? You ruin everything. You have no sense. You're nuts. Just once, do something right. I've sacrificed everything for you, and what thanks do I get? I had great hopes for you. If I told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Give you an inch, you take a mile. Anybody would know that. Don't talk back to me. You'll do as you are told. You're not funny. Who do you think you are? Why did you do it that way? You were born bad. You drive me crazy. You do that just to hurt me. I could skin you alive. What will the neighbors say? You do that to torture me. You're so mean. I could beat the daylights out of you. It's all your fault. You make me sick. You're trying to kill me. Now, what's the matter with you? Cry, baby. Go to your room. You deserve it. Eat it because children are starving. Don't stick your lip out. If you cry, I'll slap you. Don't you ever think about anyone else? Get out of my sight. And on 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 and on. on. Somewhere along the line, you concluded that there was something wrong with you. Of course you did. What else could you conclude? If there were nothing wrong with you, people wouldn't treat you that way. They wouldn't say those things to you. As I'm reading from the book, the eyes of my audience grow big. And they start to really resonate with what I'm talking about. And in this book, uh, Cherry Huber actually interviews uh, adolescents. So I'm going to read an excerpt from that. So what you are saying is that adults, even though they say they want to talk to you, aren't interested in having a conversation. Adults don't realize what. A conversation is. There isn't much of the one person says something, then the other person replies. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. They want to preach. They think a conversation revolves around their opinion and nothing else. Oh, And they're assuming you understand a lot of things you really don't understand. Yes. The whole group says yes. Like when my mom wants to talk to me, she never wants to talk to me on a personal level. She calls me out of my room and asks me, who ate the peanut butter? And she yells at me like it's my fault. I did eat the peanut butter. I'm the one in the house who likes peanut butter. She always yells at me when she talks to me. It's always like, whatever it is, is my fault. I never know if she's accusing me of something or if that's just the way she talks to me. But when I want to talk to her about something important, she's like, okay, whatever. But when it's not serious and she wants to talk to me, she gets mad. I can't remember the last actual conversation I had with my mom. Is that what it feels like? That you're really different from your parents? Not really. I'm apparently just like my mom. We all turn into our parents and it's horrible. So then I go into some of the forms that self-hate takes. And Cherry explains some of these like sabotaging You try to do something good for yourself or for someone else and somehow manage to make a mess of the whole thing. Or you take blame, but you don't take credit. If something goes well, it's a gift from God. If it goes badly, it's all your fault. Um, Blaming others, uh, self-hating and other hating are the same thing. Whether you are hateful toward others or hating yourself directly, it's self-hate. You are always the recipient. Um, holding grudges you review old hurts and injustices rather than being present to yourself now uh, not being able to receive uh, gifts, compliments, help, favors, praise, etc are things you have difficulty allowing yourself to have. Um, you see what what is wrong with everything. your habit is to find fault, criticize, judge and compare. Uh, you try to be different just being who you are your plain old self isn't enough. You feel you have to maintain an image, uh, attempting to be perfect, being accident prone, continuing to put yourself in abusive situations, uh, maintaining an uncomfortable physical position, you hold your shoulders in a way that creates pain, you clench your teeth, or maintaining an uncomfortable mental position, clinging to shoulds, I should be able to excel in all my classes, I should be good at sports, I shouldn't be so fat. I should have more friends. And uh, self-hate has many voices, and here are a few. And there's uh, nothing subtle about it. You're disgusting. You make me sick. Or the voice in the head says, um, It was stupid of me to have said that. I must watch what I say. Where it says, I must finish this now, even though I'm exhausted. I must give in to these, I must not give in to these little self-indulgences. Who knows where it will stop? So this voice is just pounding on, on the brain here. I shouldn't have said that. I should have known better. He has a nicer car than I do, but I'm better looking than he is. I don't really want to be here with these people, but I don't really want to be anywhere else either. When working um, with the teenagers that I work with, I do notice that they are some of the hardest people on themselves than anyone I've ever met. And it it breaks my heart um, to see how they treat themselves. Sometimes I'll actually even say, don't, don't speak that way to my friend like you just spoke to yourself. It's really, um, it, it's an epidemic, and I think that's what Cherry Huber is pointing out here. That these kids learn that there's something wrong with them. I also have run um, groups on identity Um, where these students have clung so dearly to their diagnoses that that's who they become. They are, you know, bipolar disorder. They are um, behavior disorder. You know, whatever the case may be, they become so attached to the diagnosis. And then we have to kind of break that down to to help the students realize that there are so much more. Um, I usually describe the students I work with as children who have uh, emotional and behavioral challenges. But I promise them that when I describe the program I work in that I'll mention that, but I'll also mention that I work with students that have so many talents, so many skills, and so many strengths that they are just so much more than these simple labels. Here's another interview with teenagers. Cherry Huber says, so what do you want to tell adults? What should adults know? Listen. Basically, that's it. It would be really nice if people listen to you when you have something to say. We need support, some praise, some acknowledgement of the good stuff we do. Be open to the stuff that's important to us, even if it's not important to them. Not necessarily condone it, but don't say don't do it. Like wanting to be with our friends all the time. My parents may think it's a waste of time, but it's what I want to do, and it beats sitting around the house on my butt. So, okay, you think it's a waste of time, but it's what I want to do. So don't give me a hard time about it. Don't worry so much about who we hang out with. They just assume that if you're with certain people, you're going to be just like those people. They think we have no willpower. If someone suggests something or offers us something, we're going to go along with it automatically. They don't see us as individuals. They see us as who we are, who we're with. We have good morals. We can make good choices. We don't mean any harm. We just want to have fun. We're trying to learn new things. Trust us. Talk to us. Get to know us. And trust us. You want us to act like adults? Treat us with the same respect you give to adults. If you want us to respect you, respect us. Cherry says, in other words, if the teaching is going to be successful, parents have to model what they want you to be. Teachers too. The best teachers I've had are the ones who treated us as actual people. I listened to them and excelled in their classes. But the teachers who hate us, the ones who are there for the summers off, I was exactly the opposite. We will be what adults expect us to be. You can't just tell us no. Give us a reason. We don't see what you see. We don't understand. You need to explain things to us. Don't say because I'm the parent. If you don't have a good reason, if you can't explain it to me, I'm not going to do what you want. Adults want to know why. We have to give reasons. Give us the respect you want from us and explain to us your reasons. Tell us why we should do what you want us to do. Because I said so is not good enough. It makes me have to do the opposite. Adults have had a lot of experience we haven't had. Give us the benefit of that experience by explaining what they're thinking, how they see things. Give us all the information we need and support us in making a decision. Get to know who we are as individuals and support us. Don't constantly refer to the past and hold the past against us. We're not all alike. We're similar, but we are individuals. Support, but don't push. We're not always going to be children. We have a lot of emotions inside. Sometimes we don't know what's best for us. We're not as bad as you think. You were once our age. Give us a break. We're people too. It doesn't matter what you see or hear on the outside. It's what's inside that counts. We need privacy and we need attention. Then I explain... Uh, The battering cycle. And it's this picture. It's a circle. And on the top it says stress. And then it, it goes along the circle and says stress overload leads to coping behavior. So that could be abusing substances, eating too much, this kind of unhealthy coping behavior. And then it says that leads to feeling better. Uh, numbed. So you feel better for a little bit, but then that wears off and then you feel worse, which leads to feeling worse. I did it again. Oh boy. And then that leads to a decision to be perfect. I will never abuse that substance again. I will never eat that food again. And this decision to be perfect, the pressure to be perfect, leads to more stress. And then the stress overload leads to the unhealthy coping behavior. You feel better for a little bit, then you feel worse, and then you make that decision to be perfect, and that pressure to be perfect leads to stress. This idea of perfectionism in our culture is pretty damaging to the mental health of our children. I heard once the the way you speak to children becomes their inner voice and how they speak to themselves. So really being aware of the words you use and and how you speak to kids. And and when I do this lesson, I'm telling you that the teenagers in the room and the in the audience just it's like I'm reading their minds. They can't believe what I'm saying. It's like they look at me like that's exactly it. This is so true. Oh my gosh, even some of my tougher students that uh, are hard to engage, they they even raise their head and and look at me like, oh my gosh, this guy is saying all the things that I've wanted to say for such a long time. And it's a very powerful lesson. And, and when it comes around to this idea of perfectionism and how we talk to ourselves, um, I, I really believe these teenagers would love to, to reverse some of this, you know, Some of these things that they believe to be so true. But it's difficult to sort of retrain the mind. Um, To speak kindly to ourselves. I've mentioned Kristen Neff before. She works and does research a lot on self-compassion. The proven power of being kind to yourself. It's the title of one of her books self compassion um she has some audiobooks that are great too but when i when i speak to these teenagers and i realize how hard they are on themselves and how much self hatred they have um like i said before it breaks my heart and i i'd love to Turn that around for them or or show them or help them feel empowered and good about themselves and to treat themselves as if like they treat their friends. I mean, some of these kids are so kind and caring to others, but then turn around and just beat themselves up with their inner voice. I also get a lot of pushback when I, I read the title, There's Nothing Wrong With You. They look at me and there's a lot wrong with me. What are you talking about? That's, that's bogus. <laughs> it's very even challenging for them to accept the title of this book because they've attached so much to these things they think are wrong with them. So it's a really powerful, powerful lesson. One of my favorites by far Um at the end of the book, she does offer some tools and techniques, um, like writing a letter of appreciation to yourself, journaling, um, get comfortable saying "I love you" to yourself, and say it many times each day. Uh, of course, you know mindfulness meditation, uh, compassionate communication. There, are, there are many tools in in meditation geared towards uh being more self-compassionate. So educators and parents you know ask me about this often. Um how do I you know instill confidence in my kids? And again, this is going to be an answer I, I, I might be coming back to, but you, you have to have confidence in yourself and, and not project your insecurities onto your kids if possible or become aware of how you, how you speak to your child. And understand that how you speak to them is how they speak to themselves. I've given many examples of what parents sometimes tend to go to, and that's that frustration, yelling, and not actual communication. The brilliance of this book is that it really shows what our teenagers are feeling. That nobody really has a conversation with them, understands them, and they're just berated all the time. And then they turn that onto themselves. When really, you know, genuine, um, positive reinforcement is um, so much more powerful than tearing kids down. I don't know. I I think that that tendency springs from the adult's own insecurities to have to tear a child down. But knowing that when you tear that child down, they're going to continue to tear themselves down. And if you can build that child up, not in, a, not in a phony, you know, artificial way. But really communicate and really build them up in a genuine way and listen and seek to understand that's then the way they'll treat themselves. Well... This, this has been a, a fun episode for me because I've done this lesson many times with this book um, and it, it just, it's, it's great every single time and I find something new in it every single time. That, that perfectionism cycle, the stress cycle is really, really good to work with too. And like I said, there's an adult version of this book. <laughs> it's called, there is nothing wrong with you. Um, going beyond self hate, a compassionate process for learning to accept yourself exactly as you are. So, start with that book as an adult and then move on to the 14s. Uh, it's really, it's really a great series. Again, written by Cherry Huber, designed and illustrated by June Shiver. So, thanks for joining me again today. Um, I will see you next time and I hope you enjoyed the uh, lesson and remember there is nothing wrong with you regardless of what you were taught to believe there is nothing wrong with you. Thanks so much. Uh, See you next time. Take care.